Hi, and welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives Podcast with Graham Cook. I'm your host, Michael Becchio. Today we have a segment from the first part of Graham's series on Brilliant TV called Expectation. In this, Graham talks about how God's promises to us individually will both test our understanding of his nature and offer us the hope of a certain and expected outcome. Enjoy. Verse 16, chapter 16 of Exodus. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And they said, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Seriously? You flipping pelican. You're actually saying that? Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat They used to complain about the food in Egypt when we ate bread to the full. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said to Moses, look, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them. What is he testing them with? He's testing them with the promise. Promises and prophecy, they are designed to test us to see how much we really understand about the nature of God. And at evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord. Grumbling, why? Lost sight of the promise. A second time, Moses had to strike water from the rock because they were grumbling about being thirsty. All the way through that whole journey, their eyes were always on their circumstances, never on the promise. And he got to a point where they let go of the promise to such a degree that they lost their inheritance. The promise is everything to God. When God promises you something, everything that is in him is in that promise. That promise is, this is where you can relate to me. You study the promise because you'll find me and who I want to be for you. It's the promise that tests the quality of your trust in God. Because here's the key thing about God is he's he's not just going to give us stuff. He wants to teach us how to live by faith. He wants to teach us how to trust. And when you trust the Lord, there is no grumbling. There is no complaining. There is no speculating. I trust him. That's it. I don't know how it's going to work out. You know what? I don't even need to know. I trust him. I have this promise and this is enough. And that's what it should be like. God doesn't have to keep repeating himself. Don't treat him like he's human. He doesn't want to be like us. He wants us to be like him. He always trusts his word. When he gives you his word, he gives you everything. 
It's like my brother Alan. He's a real lover. I adore my brother. But at times when he comes up and he puts his hand on my shoulder, you know, and I can feel like his fingers digging into my flesh because his emotion is so strong. And he looks me right in the eye and says, Graham, here's my hand, here's my heart. I think Jesus is a million times better than my brother. When God gives you a promise, he says, everything I am is in this. Trust this is like trusting me. Study this is like studying me. The relationship that I have with that promise is the same relationship you can have with me. Don't ever take your eyes off this promise. It will take you exactly where I want you to go. It will give you exactly what I want you to have. Don't take your eyes off it. Don't take your eyes off it. The promise is everything. You trust the promise no matter what else is going on. You trust the promise regardless of your circumstances. What that means is the promise is greater than anything you're facing. It's greater than anything you may pass through. The promise is everything to God. Keep your eye on the prize. You know, a prophecy is the end of supplication. A prophecy is the end of intercession. It's the beginning of proclamation. When you get a prophetic word, you don't need to pray anymore. You need to proclaim. Got it. Here it is. I got it. This is it. You need to wave it right at your circumstances. See this? Sucker. I've got this promise. You've got nothing. I've got this. I've got this. i got this. Me and Jesus, we've got this situation. I got this promise. I got a prophecy. Woohoo! Right there. Right there. I'm watching. I'm studying this. I'm loving this. I want this. This is not just a promise about fulfillment for my circumstances. This is an upgrade in my relationship with God right here. Right here. I'm going to learn stuff with this promise about Jesus and who he is for me that I will keep for the rest of my life. That's what it means. And I like saying to the Lord, I like reading out my prophecies to the Lord. Sometimes he gives me a prophecy, maybe attached to a scripture like Psalm 91. Who doesn't love Psalm 91? I live in Psalm 91. And sometimes he said, Gray, get your Bible. Read Psalm 91 to me. Read it out loud. And I read it out loud. And I can almost picture him there with his eyes closed going, oh yeah, I like that verse. (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot that was in there. That's cool. I like that. You can totally have that. I can hear him kind of like muttering to himself joyfully. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh yeah, I love that. Great, I think that's for right now, right now. That's yours right now. Love that. I like reading scripture out loud to the Lord. Yeah, I think he likes my accent. (laughs) What nonsense that was. (laughs) Here's a great promise that God gave to Israel. It's in Deuteronomy. Who calls a book Deuteronomy? Somebody did, obviously. 
Deuteronomy 6, verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you didn't build. Bonus. (laughs) Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. Outstanding. Turnkey operation. Woohoo! And hewn cisterns which you did not dig. Thank the Lord for that. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you can eat and you are satisfied. Man, that is a promise. Then he says, when everything's going well, just make sure you do one thing. Don't forget me. Don't get so in tune with the blessing that you get out of relationship with me. Don't get complacent. You know, the main role of a prophet is two things. One, when life is tough, when you're up against it, or you're not doing very well, a prophet comes and tells you who you are in God. Prophets don't come and judge you when things are going badly. They stand up and they say, this is who the Lord is for you. This is what the Lord has got for you. This is, what, this is how the Lord sees you. This is what's going to happen. And what they do is they call something up in you of faith and trust. But when everything's going brilliantly and we're all, woohoo, it's a great life, loving it. A prophet comes along and says, just make sure you don't get complacent. Prophet warns you when everything is going well. They bless you when everything's going badly. Just saying. The baseline for all promises is this. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is a sign of my presence. Treat it like that. This is me saying to you, everything in here belongs to you and so do I. And it's not just the gift that I'm giving you, it's the giver. It's relational, it's personal, because a promise is always connected to the nature of God. Presence of God provides promises. Guaranteed outcomes. That when you abide in those things, it's impossible for a promise not to be fulfilled. And yet here we are in, with Israel... Of all the adults that came out of Egypt, only two over the age of 20, Joshua and Caleb, inherited. Everybody else grumbled so much, lost sight of everything, never held on to the promise, never understood what a promise really is, never held on to it, never saw the significance. Always let go of that in favor of taking hold of circumstances. Abraham, Genesis 17, knew I had a five in it though, so I did, I did pretty good. So he comes along to visit Abraham, and the father says to him, uh, 
where's Sarah? And he said, oh, she, he said, oh she's in the tent. Okay, I'm going to find this verse now if it kills you. <laughs> this is me getting excited. There it is. Verse 15. Huh? Different chapter, though. <laughs> I've only had six cups of coffee this morning. That's my problem. He said, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not, came, you not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Everyone always just reads the blessing over Abraham. You'll be a father of nations. But the blessing over Sarah was, you'll be the mother of nations, and kings will come from you. And Abraham said, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. <laughs> Everyone talks about Sarah laughing. No one talks about Abraham laughing. He fell over laughing. <laughs> he fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? He's like, she's 10 years younger and he's getting on her case. <laughs> really? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, Sarah, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son and you will call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you, I'll bless him. I'll make him fruitful. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. That God shows up and all he wants to talk to Abraham about is your wife. <laughs> how he sees her. What she means to him. How important she is to him. Just saying something there. <laughs> and he comes another time in chapter 18. And he says, uh, oh, verse 9, he says, where is Sarah, your wife? He's just reminding Abraham, don't forget she's called Sarah now, right? And Abraham said, oh, she's there in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door. <laughs> Women do that kind of stuff. You know. <laughs> she was listening at the tent door that was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. What has that got to do with anything when God is present? Seriously. Whatever you think is an insurmountable barrier, when God shows up, it disappears. 
And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, also being old? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I indeed bear a child? You know, God knows what you're thinking. I know, sometimes I think that's so rude. He knows what I'm thinking. So I have to think good stuff. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? That's what he's saying. Really? You think this is hard for me? If I can save an Englishman, I can do anything. (laughs) At the appointed time, I will return to you. This time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied it. It's like, sweetie, you're getting in too deep right now. You laughed. That was bad enough. You had a bad thought, that was bad enough, but now you're denying it? Seriously, girl, wake up. I didn't laugh, because she was scared. And the Lord just laughed and said, ah, but you did. (laughs) I know that laugh, Sarah, you you totally laugh, sweetie. Fast forward into the book of Romans, but you didn't expect me to say that. Fast forward here, Romans 4. 17. It says, A father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom you believed. Even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, Abram believed. So he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And he also thought about the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet. Yet. With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. Promise is everything to God. I think this really highlights a fundamental theme for how we live our lives. Promises are very important to the Lord. In fact, if you think about it, a lot of our relationship with Him is interwoven directly into words of promise, both things that He promises to be for us and that He has done for us, and promises of what He's going to bring to pass. The promises of restoration, the promises of the life to come, the promise of our inheritance as his saints, and the promise of him coming back for us, the promise of being his bride. Promises, promises, promises. They're a huge deal to God. Why? Because as Graham explains it, it is his word that he binds himself to, which speaks of who he wants to be for us. It's his faithfulness at work and on the line, coming from the deepness of his heart for us. The Lord simply does not utter anything meaningless or carefree, but speaks from a deep, powerful, and highly intentional place, aligned with his promises. 
Beloved, the Father wants us to rejoice in our promises, give thanks, and lift them back up to him in the midst of our circumstances, declaring that he who promised is faithful. And proclaim as well, as God said unto Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? Which, of course, the only answer is (laughs) no way. (laughs) Beloved, oftentimes opposition is because of the promise. The enemy would love us to believe a narrative that directly contradicts what the Lord has promised us. But in reality, as Graham said, when we abide in what God spoke, it is nearly impossible for the word to not come to fruition. I encourage you today to not see the testing of your promise as a reason for doubt or fear, but rather as confirmation of its incoming reality. As Graham encouraged, be emboldened in hope. It's time to proclaim and joyfully stand on his word. Your words of agreement with him are powerful and creative, attracting the atmosphere of heaven and celebrating the reality of who God is. Remembering Philippians chapter 1, where Paul declares, He who began a good work will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Be blessed this week. Be encouraged. Know that God is for you and not against you. That means he's committed to your good, to your blessing, to displaying his love and faithfulness in your life. And he's never going to change his mind. Enjoy Jesus. Be blessed.